All right, girl. So this episode, episode three that we're starting with of Murder on Middle Beach yeah. is called Sisters. No relation I, to your I, favorite show, Sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Swoozy Kurtz isn't in this one? She's not, unfortunately. I'm so sorry. Did you think that Swoozy would be involved? Where's Seal Award? I love the idea that you made it through all four and a half hours of this thing and you were like, where's Swoozy? I was promised Swoozy. <laughs> Patrick Hines. So you guys, this is part two of our coverage of Murder on Middle Beach. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, go listen to it before you do this one, or do you? If you want to join us in the middle, who's to stop you? You know, and if you're going to be confused, again, that's on you. Yeah. You should also just watch this thing. It's so good. We love it. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Also, if you want more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon at the $5 level. There's over 150 full bonus ad-free episodes to download and binge right this second. Everything from The Vow to All Be Gone in the Dark to Fear City, Lorena, Menendez Murders, Lacey Peterson. A Wilderness of Error. We're doing Night Stalker. We also did Don't F with Cats and Tiger King and all of those like long form series. We're doing them for you. Ad free. Yeah, and it's ad free versions of these episodes. It's coronavirus check-ins, after parties. Hey, on the after parties lately, we're taking your calls, you guys. Well, not really. We're taking your emails and we are giving you advice. But no, but it does feel that way where it's like line seven, what do you got? What's going on? It does feel like it's a live radio show. Also, you guys join the Facebook group Come meet your new true crime best friends. Find the community. There's like 32,000 people in there. It's really fun. Share your memes. Get suggestions for other true crime documentaries and podcasts. It's a fun place to hang out if you got nothing else to do for a minute. Yeah. Again, my favorite thing is people posting just like a word. <laughs> Sometimes they'll just post automobile. Right. And like, you know. If you know, you know. Right. <laughs> Welcome. All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about episodes three and four of Murder on Middle Beach. And this episode, episode three that we're starting with, is called Sisters. Again, no relation to Swoozy. And <laughs> where we start... Much to my chagrin, girl. I know, much to your dismay. And mine, too, because I like when you're happy. And Swoozy's not here. And don't shoot the messenger. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you. There's no Swoozy. Can you tell I, I just like saying Swoozy? So this one opens. It's two days until the anniversary of the murder of Barbara, Madison's mom, right? right? And he's going to meet with Conway, his aunt, who you know that we find problematic. Conway, Conway, Conway. I gotta tell you, when he gets out of the car and greets her for the first time, she hugs him so long. Oh. It's so uncomfortable. And I have this note that like, when a hug lingers too long for me, uh -huh. you've wandered into the inappropriate. I was gonna say, because I have a long, in my notes, it's like eight O's, eight N's, <laughs> eight G's. And it's funny because with the grandma in the first episode, I think hugged him and kissed him a lot. We love that because it felt really yes. real and we loved her and we, she's just like such an angel. And immediately yeah. we're like, Conway, too much of a hugger. And Conway, we Get have a bigger them. fish to fry with Conway. So now we're at the Conway story. And like her brother's like- From as far back as I can remember, Remember, she's always been a little more high maintenance, I guess, a little more fragile. I kind of tell my mom that she's like a fragile bull. She's a fragile bull, which means like she's high maintenance. Like she just wants to come in and do the Conway thing. But like you can't say anything to Conway because then it's going to be <laughs> Wait, the Conway show. Do I have issues with Conway? You know how you don't like people that you see pieces of yourself in? <laughs> Look, let me tell you, no. And 
you know I'm always one to be like, girl, is are you kind of talking to yourself a little bit? Like I'm happy to gently just say, let's look at it ourselves in the mirror here. Like, why are we feeling this way? But Conway is a fucking mess. We should just say we know Conway's been through hell. Yes. You know, yes. we know that she's suffered addiction and we're gonna learn that like her young son was taken away from her and she found her sister's brutally murdered body. Like she had brain cancer and yes. breast cancer. Like Conway, if you're listening and maybe you are, we're giving you a kind of a hard time. It's a documentary. It's what we do. We recognize that you have been through fucking hell. A hundred percent. Conway has been through shit that I truly cannot believe it. That said, yeah. again, looking at myself in the mirror I, I sort of sometimes lean on this like well maybe there are mental health issues here and I, w- I sort of want to take that back where it's like you can have mental health issues and you can also be an asshole and I think that Conway has gone through yeah. shit that honestly you would not wish on your worst enemy truly 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 and I also think she's not that great and I think right. all those things can be true <laughs> well she also like describes her childhood as being like you know she says that like she was kind of the outcast kid the teachers would ask me are you sure you're a beach because Lou was a genius, Chris was getting straight A's, Kathy was getting straight A's. I barely passed tests. I guess I was a good person to make fun of and have jokes about. The teachers would say, like, are you sure you're related to them? To which I say, why do teachers do that? Why? Why do we do that? Why can't we just let kids be different from their siblings? And let me tell you, I'm an only child. I grew up with whatever you want to call ADHD, a mental health thing, a learning disability. I had teachers who were great. And I had teachers who basically called me stupid and were, like, bullying me to just get the math. And I was like, I just need, like, a a couple more minutes with it. But I felt very seen in this where Conway was just, like, not living up to these amazing other siblings. And the teachers were just like, oh, who are you? What are you, like the runt of the litter? That sucks. And she says, I guess I was a good person to make fun of. I know what that feels like. You know, I mean, I really, I relate to Conway on that front. I was a chubby gay kid. Of course I was easy to make fun of. But girl, we also get this crazy story about how Conway learns about booze. (laughs) Because she says that like her grandmother moves in with them. And like Uh the grandma was kind of a hard ass. But I also used to watch her go into the pantry and she'd pour this white stuff in a glass about this big and she'd chug that baby down and then chase it with water and she became lovey 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 and then all of a sudden she became lovely 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 well that's also (laughs) called an alcoholic right (laughs) i'm not laughing at alcoholism but like someday daisy's gonna be like daddy would have a hard day at work and he'd come home and be grumpy he'd go into the into the kitchen drink a big brown glass of something (laughs) and then be lovey 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 so again you feel seen i feel seen we all feel seen girl right and so you know conway says she started drinking at 13 and we know alcoholism runs in this family and starting to drink at 13 is is scary and, and sad enough but she says i started really drinking by the time i was 13 and i'm a blackout drinker so So she's saying she grew up in a home where like drinking until you get hammered at 13 was like, okay. So we we learned that Conway had a son named Tyler. And because she was an addict, Tyler was taken away from her. And he wasn't taken away like and put in the system. He was taken by Barbara, Madison's mother and his shitty father, Jeff. Yeah. Speaking as somebody who like is a foster parent, I guess I can say like that is kind of the ideal situation that, you know, you keep them in the family. We meet Tyler. He's so fucking 
fucking grateful for yeah. what Madison's parents did for him. And we get another phone call with Madison's dirtbag dad, who's giving us more information on the story. Like, he's saying that, like, mm-hmm. after Conway's son Tyler comes to live with Madison's family, Conway runs off to Florida and, like, really descends into her addiction. And no one can find her, and no one hears from her, so Madison's mom and dad go to Florida to find her. We could get in touch with her. So we drove down uh, and confronted her to find out what was going on, and she was basically hanging out with some pimp, and she was doing drugs, and she, uh, she was gonna die. She was absolutely going to die. So Madison's parents knew that Conway was going to die, and they knew she needed help from her family. Right. Madison's dad says, we called everyone in Conway's family, and according to Madison's dirtbag dad, poor fucking Madison has the worst fucking relatives. I know. But the dad says that everyone in Conway's family said, just let her die. Just let her die. Just let her die. And Conway basically says the same. She was like, I just sort of went down to Florida to like just see how long I could live being an addict. Like She just sort of resigned the fact that, okay, my son was taken away, and this is what I'm going to do. Well, that was her original plan. Well, her well original- things changed. <laughs> things changed. She tells us her original plan was to just, like, let herself die. And I don't laugh at that lightly. That is fucking terrible. And I know people are battling addiction and alcoholism, like, all day, every day. We love you. You're heroes. We see you. But Conway then comes up with a second plan. And and the other thing about Conway is that she has no problem telling us everything. Yeah, because I don't 100% believe that this was the plan. <laughs> When I was saying before that she tells some tales and she talks some shit yeah. and the, why you're laughing at it is because it's so insane that one day she's like, I think I'm just going to like be sad and just like resolve myself to this. And then she's like, but my ulterior plan was to get all my money out of my 401k plan and uh, get revenge against my baby sister, your mother, your father, and both of you, you and Allie. How? I wanted to hire a hitman. But then I came up with a complete 180 fucking bonkers plan. And the plan is she's going to take all of her money out of this 401k where it's like, okay. How does she have a 401k? Like, were you working at a bank, Conway? Like, did you have a job that offered you benefits? And why didn't you take that money out to take care of Tyler so that he didn't have to be taken away from you? Whatever. That's the least of my issues right now. But she got money from somewhere. And she says to Madison, who I feel like many people in this documentary forget, they're talking to a a person who's trying to find the details of his mother's murder and they forget that i don't know why but they do and because she's saying she was like yeah i was going to hire a hitman to kill your mother and your father and you and your sister for revenge (laughs) for taking my son away from me and giving him a better life and madison's like (laughs) you're hiring a you're gonna hire a what to kill me and my sister And my parents. Okay. But according to Conway, she like does it. And this is a very scary story. And I'm I'm not saying I don't believe this. I mean, I don't 100% believe the story, but we believe victims here because she tells this horrible story where she's like. And I remember going into the bar waiting to meet my hitman and drinking. And then I black out. And I woke up in my room uh, naked and uh, without a penny. I've been rolled. And she goes, I was waiting at the hotel bar. I was there to meet my hitman. I got blackout drunk and I woke up naked and without any money. And it's like, 
Wait, Conway, are you saying that you were raped and robbed in this bar? Yeah. And like, that's what changed. Like, wait a sec. Like, she says that one sentence and then we move right on from it. But that is like, whew. I know. It's a very, it's fucking terrible. And the point is, if she hired a hitman then, was there a reason she would have maybe hired a hitman now to kill Barbara this time? Right. Like, the fact that she even thought it at all was scary enough but the fact that she like went to a bar to do the money handoff and meet the guy and like send this guy from Florida up to kill her family is terrifying and Madison asks her now like did the cops ever think of you as a person of interest in my mom's murder and she goes yes and I admitted that I had tried to hire a hitman why are you admitting to this Conway like why would you like I feel like when you're in an interrogation with cops and you didn't do the murder the cops are on a need to know basis girl do, or do you think this is the Conway girl this is gonna be a whole fucking podcast about you great job you got your wish congratulations we're talking all about you Conway but do you th- I mean is she doing this thing where it's like what if I tell them something fucking bonkers and then they focus on the bonkers thing and then they don't focus about what my hand could have been in this murder the only thing is Conway is like the only person in this entire documentary who has no motive. She didn't do it. She is off her fucking rocker, but she didn't do it. (laughs) Somewhere right now in Manhattan, somebody is saying that exact same thing about me about something else. Yes. She's off her rocker, but she didn't do it. It's probably Mike in the next room. She's off her rocker. She didn't do it. I love her. That's Mike about you. I do not love Conway. So now we're still with Conway. This is the Conway app, girl. And this is this is where I think Conway is such a fucking garbage. And again, she forgets who she's talking to because Conway is on the beach with Madison. They're at like a different interview point. And she's again hugging him and she's crying and she's doing all this. And she's like, I'm so sorry. Why are you sorry? I'm sorry that I think your sister had something to do with it, but I can't help it. I'm so sorry. I think your sister had something to do with it. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. <laughs> I know. Allie, the 16-year-old. And he's like, wait, what? And we haven't even really met Allie yet. We've seen her for like one second in the beginning. So like all of a sudden we're just kind of like, wait, now we're dealing with another potential killer. Right. And so Madison asked Conway, why do you think it was Allie? And remember, Conway and Allie found the body of Barbara together. And Conway is saying, you know, from the very beginning, I thought it really looked staged. She- It was really suspicious. Allie and I pulled up to your home, and she goes, there's mom's purse. So I go to pick up her purse. She said, don't touch that, it's a crime scene. I'm like, you're out of your mind. What's wrong with you, child? There's nothing that looks like a crime scene. I believe she already knew before she got there. Right now, that's her big evidence that Allie knew that a crime had been committed. She's like, why would you think that? There was no blood anywhere, blah, blah, blah. And my thinking is like, wait, if Allie killed her mother and you're picking up evidence to contaminate it, wouldn't she want you to do that? One zillion percent. Like, rub it all over your body, Conway. Do the Jim Blackburn, like an era of wilderness. Lay in that blue pajama top, make it your friend. Can you just see, like, Allie being like, Conway, rub that purse all over your body? Yeah, uh, just find a piece of Christmas tinsel and rub it in the blue pajama top and so and also Conway's like and also I'll have you know Madison your sister left the country and it's not how Conway means it Allie had and this becomes a little bit of the Allie episode now Allie had a really shitty upbringing her father especially was incredibly abusive towards her very controlling very manipulative her mother was murdered when she was still in high school so when Allie quotes flees the country she doesn't flee the country she does like a semester abroad in South America and then decides to as Allie tells us, like, I escaped my grief 
When I graduated high school, I left. I was really unhappy when I left the United States. I was angry. So I traveled, I backpacked. Literally, I went to the end of the world. I wasn't ready to face everything again. I didn't have a great life in the United States. I wanted to see what the world had to offer me. And that, I think, is very important. So Allie is here. Finally, we get to meet Allie. And, you know, Madison is saying to her, you know, like, what was the dynamic of our family when we were growing up? And this is where she says, mom drank all the time. Dad was super fucking controlling. Mom was definitely a more lenient parent. Mom was very, very, very loving. I think she had a hard time keeping things in control when she was drinking. And dad was super, super, super controlling. And yeah, I remember he implanted a lot of fear in us. It just always reminds me how vulnerable children are, you know? Yeah. That kids have no power. And like when you're their parents, if you're not there to give them the fucking best you possibly can, you're just a monster. So Jeff, the dad, basically made Allie have a nervous breakdown. And remember, Allie was was a kid in high school. So, like, Jeff was one of those dads. We've mentioned it before, like, taking the door off the hinges, like, giving her zero privacy because Allie describes, he thought I was shutting him out of my life. Like, give your daughter some fucking privacy. She would come home a full day of school, and then she would do homework for three hours, and then the dad would check it and make her do it again for another three hours. Like, it was just not a good upbringing. Yeah, and like you said, she has a total nervous breakdown because of it. She was in the hospital for like for weeks nobody had any idea what was wrong with her except now the dad magically has a diagnosis even though the doctors like never really gave her one back then she developed two things at the same time all right one was this physical disease this grace disease and the other was borderline personality disorder you switch from liking somebody or in this case a parent and then you hate them you know with all your heart and then you slip the other way she had graves disease and a borderline personality oh my god I, this I, made I, me so mad the dad is just trying to say she's just another crazy woman you can't trust her borderline personality means she loves one parent one day and loves another parent the other day and you know she was playing us off each other like like she's the problem she's not the problem and that's also not what borderline personality is like and he's i think he's trying to co-opt bipolar and that's not even what bipolar right. is what he's describing <laughs> but he just like she was diagnosed with something and Allie says like I just was really sick and like she did have some thyroid issue and eventually the doctors were like all right some of it is thyroid but a lot of it is psychological like girl you need help and so the dad is just trying to like assign her this fucking crazy hysterical mad woman bullshit yeah I and like this is where we learn like even more about how shitty Allie's teenage years were because this is where we find out that Conway like had a lot of health issues. Yeah. She had like a brain tumor. She had breast cancer. Like she was an alcoholic. Basically she had to move in with Barbara and Allie so that Barbara could take care of her. And like I'm sure Allie wasn't the easiest kid. Like, take one look at her now. She's a yeah. girl with with opinions. Sure. And probably some, like, sass and attitude. But, like, Allie didn't want her to be there. And for some reason, Conway, the adult in the room, just cannot forgive her for that. Every morning, I would wake up to her screaming at my sister. And I told her not to talk to my sister like that. She goes, fuck you. She's my mother. And I will talk to her any fucking way I want. When your mom got home that day, she goes... Either she goes or I go, Mom. And also look at Conway. 
Conway. You think Conway was fucking easy to live with? Conway who makes right. everything about her and like, are you kidding right. me? Like she probably made that really difficult and probably tried to pull rank with Allie. They were just competing personalities, but Conway is blaming it on Allie one zillion percent. And Conway has all these stories. I didn't like how Allie treated your mother at all, ever. She abused drugs, alcohol, and boys all of the time. And I'm like, Conway, I'm sorry, but you're one to talk. Like, I'm so sorry about that. Like, you, I, maybe it's one of those things, like we were saying earlier, you look at Allie, you see a little bit of yourself, you get a little defensive, you get a little whatever, but it's insane to me that this middle-aged woman has this vendetta against this girl who was 16 at the time. And Conway is still so angry about it now. So angry. Like, Conway, girl, like, go to therapy. And I say that with love. Like, I think everyone I, should I be do. in therapy. But, like, Conway, get this shit out before it's documented forever on HBO. And you're talking shit about a girl who was going through traumatic shit and you are still talking about it decades later like she hurt you Conway Conway can't have known this nobody could have known this Allie comes off as calm and put together oh. and like a, the, totally like an adult in the documentary and Conway comes off as fucking insane because Madison will say hey Allie so Conway said this about you and Allie will go I don't hold it against her because she's sick I really don't. I'm not angry. I'm not even surprised. Conway has her own problems and she's a very hurt person and hurt people don't always act um, in the most sound manners. Allie comes off smelling like a rose, as they say, and Conway just looks like an asshole. Yeah, and so Allie gives us the details of the last time she saw her mom. And so it was the morning of March 3rd. Allie was running late for school that day. Mom drove her. They stopped at the local coffee shop. You know, they, she stops at school, gives her a kiss, and she says goodbye. And then at like 11 a.m., Allie's in the study center, which I guess is a thing that like schools that have rich kids have. Is that a library? I don't know. She calls it a study center. Okay. I imagine that they serve like mochaccinos and like it's all beanbag chairs. Oh. It sounds very like rich white kid school. Great. But she's texting her mom saying, like, come and get me. I just wanted to leave. Mom isn't texting her back, so she starts texting Conway. And it's also like, Conway, you guys fucking hated each other, but Allie's still asking you to please pick her up from school. And this is where we get Conway's, like, version of events of that day and how Allie could have done the murder. Conway says, I believe that Allie could have murdered her mother, walked to school, which she'd done many times, started texting her mother and texting me. And she said, like, I think that Allie got super mad at your mom for something like breaking up a party and she just snapped. And she says, I believe anyone can snap at any given time, especially when you're fucked up on drugs and alcohol. I know from my own personal experience. I mean, look, girl, anyone can snap. I know from my own personal experience. Conway? Like, you can't <laughs> assign your own experience to fucking everybody else. Conway, you really think that Allie killed her mother? Allie could do whatever she wanted. Allie, like, I'm sorry. Right. Like, those kids had no rules in that house. It was like fucking Florida. Like, they were spoiled. <laughs> I'm sorry, Madison, I love you. But, like, you guys didn't have a lot of rules there. And your parents were pitting each other against each other. So everyone could do whatever they wanted, regardless of the roof they were under. Your mom wasn't telling Allie she couldn't do anything. Right. So what, at 9 o'clock in the morning, Allie was like, I hate you. I'm going to kill you. And I'm saying Allie's 100 pounds soaking wet at the time. She's 15 years old. She's super petite now. Dragged yeah. her 25 yards, bloody and beaten, and then walked to school where anyone right. could see her in the middle of the day and then started texting Conway hoping that the timing would work out that Conway <laughs> Conway who fucking hates her and would say fucking burn bitch like get your own ride to school and just the timing would work out per like, like God, what are you talking that makes 
no sense at all. And Conway has like sat up nights going over and over yes. and over this story, making it true. Like she really can't let go of the idea of this being exactly what happened. And and in a way, I get it. Like you need an answer. I can't imagine what it would be like having like the person I love the most in the world being murdered and I don't have an answer. I might be the kind of person who has to like, you know who I'm going to assign the murder to? The person who's not here. The person sure. who is a hundred million miles away and I never have to worry about it. Like I could just decide that that's what happened and move on with my life. But it's not what happened. And Madison, he's hired this PI and they go to the house and they actually try to recreate it. And like poor Madison, who really looks like he's in good shape. He's got these sandbags that are like 160 pounds or however much his mother weighed. And he's trying to see like, would it be possible for Allie to have like killed her in the front yard, which is where we know she died, and then drag her like 250 feet to the side of the house. He's like, I mean, just physically pulling 160 pounds. Yeah. I don't know if my sister can do that. There's just no fucking way. There's In broad daylight, there's just absolutely no way. And because they're at the house he used to live in, like the, the scene of the crime. Yeah. Someone else is living there now. I am obsessed with the, for however much we are having problems with Conway, I am in love with the woman who lives in the I house. completely agree. Like, she's the anti-Conway. Her name is Leslie Palumbo. She's amazing. So Madison says, like, oh, hey, like, do you mind if I actually, like, can I go into my childhood bedroom? And this is where we learn that Leslie's like, yeah, actually, um, I'm a grief therapist. I'm actually a grief worker. Oh, really? I'm a therapist. Oh, my God. And I work in bereavement. What are the chances of that? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I lost my mom about 15 years ago. I'm so sorry. And it was like a little, it was traumatic in a different way. She actually took her life. So there oh was a thing of an unsolved sort of. I am now sobbing, like hysterical. I know. And we watch these like mini therapy sessions because Madison can't even help himself. He's like, Was there any step that you took that you felt? was really helpful. One of the things that I felt like was very healing was we retook some of the steps that she took. So wow. I feel like this is the process. Yeah, yeah. It's a formidable journey, but it's, uh, it's, I feel like it's very healing. Leslie is so patient and so kind, and I Madison know. is doing everything right, according to Leslie. Yeah. Madison is getting emotional, sort of in spite of himself. This was really, really moving, and I thought these were like the fates and the universe and the stars aligning for him. I hope they're in touch. I really want them to be in touch. Like, I just hope they're just in touch all the time, where he's like, hey, this comedy podcast did a, a couple episodes on my story. Like, should I listen? And she's like, no, girl. And I'd say, okay, Leslie, you're right. No, Leslie's like, Leslie's a lady paid at the five. She's like, of course you should listen. Oh, you know, she's like, no, they totally have your back they love you madison right <laughs> and so this episode ends with Allie and and madison sort of like at the beach in like an abandoned cottage at the beach or something and like this beautiful setting where Allie looks great in these little shorts and she's just yeah. like sitting there and they're having this emotional conversation and madison says to her do you have anything to say like if the person who did this and killed our mom if they're watching this documentary that's going to be on hbo spoiler would you want to say anything to that person I don't need to say anything to them. I feel like they'll see the pain that they've caused. Do you want to say anything to them? I'm coming for you. That's what I'd say to them. What I would say is, I'm coming for you. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> I was wondering if when they shot that, if Madison was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> or if he knew. Like, you never know editing and production schedules. Maybe he already got the conversation with his dad, and then he was like, yeah, well, maybe yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah, end yeah, it. Yeah. Who the hell knows? Madison, you're doing fucking great. I love this totally. documentary. <laughs> 
right, you guys, so we're now we're at the last episode, which, by the way, is like 90 minutes longer than the other episodes. This is a finale. I- But I need more, Madison. I need more. It's called Reasonable Doubts, which is always Mm -hmm. my favorite title for like a finale episode because it it feels like we're going to get into the conspiracies a little bit and that's my favorite shit. But I got to say, it opens at this family reunion and like not much happens at it except for the fact that almost everybody here hasn't seen Allie in a really long time because she's been living in South America. And you guys, you have to think about things before they come out of your mouth. Every single person at this family reunion is taking Allie by the face and telling her how much she looks like her dead murdered mother every last one of them I, and Allie I have to say takes it with a shit ton of grace more grace than Conway who is not invited <laughs> to this party by the way would have taken it Conway is not at this party you're correct <laughs> she's not at this party and I hear what you're saying because every time I was like oof Maron ooh, ooh, ooh. I know. but I do think like these people are going through a shit ton of grief and there's some kind of connection there like Allie wasn't there for a long time and now she's coming yeah. back and like to me it is like don't touch my face, right. number one. Ugh, but it's like everyone's got to fucking going through it. And I, my, my big takeaway was that Conway was not invited. And speaking of, Madison visits with Conway. When he shows up to Conway's house, by the way, Conway's super proud of her outdoor seating area. Look at my little thing I made. It's cool. It's my little sitting area. It's nice. Conway. She- <laughs> also thought like it was a weird thing for her to point out all of her outdoor patio furniture. Conway, don't, you gotta focus girl. Yeah. This is your nephew. Your sister's been murdered. Let's focus yeah. on the right kind of details. So Conway is showing Madison all of this stuff like memorabilia that really the cops should have but they don't. And Conway has it all and Madison is just discovering that Conway has all this stuff. Like the purse from the crime scene and Madison's brain is exploding all over the room as is mine. Because he's like I don't I feel like we shouldn't even be touching this stuff. It's they didn't fingerprint it. It's like evidence. It, they didn't do anything. You know how many times I've had to pack it and remove it? Conway's like, the cops never even wanted it. My prints are all over it. Just touch it up. Well, but that's kind of the thing, though, about, like, how this was all bungled by the cops. About, right. like, like everything went wrong here. You know, like, going back to the first episode, like, the DNA was all fucked up. The cops didn't take this seriously. There is absolutely no reason why Conway should have this evidence. I don't think that she was, like, trying to get, like, a keepsake from the, from the day or anything. But like, No, but it's just weird that she has it. Yeah. So among these things of of Madison's mom, Barbara, there's this letter from Barbara to her lawyer. And we talk about this all the time, like these women who were in trouble or they sense they were in danger and they write these like, here's what I know, please help. Or if something bad happens to me, like we hear this all the time. And Barbara's explaining like, feel it necessary to give you the entire scope of the situation in order for you to represent me to your best ability. He was extremely paranoid about his deals and wouldn't discuss them with me. He said his phones were tapped and his mail was tampered with the fbi started calling and looking for jeff jeff is being investigated for money laundering to the tune of 200 million dollars jeff the husband madison's dad is being investigated for money laundering to the tune of 200 million dollars yeah and like all of these threats that he made about like if i go down you're going down with me like it's kind of hard to know where the truth is right and like we're gonna see a lot more paperwork on this but like she's saying she also has bank accounts and computer disks and documents names that would really benefit the Interpol investigation I mean it like Interpol is legit if Interpol is involved if they were like that's a big deal and she says I have a lot of evidence and here are instructions on everything again in the event 
that something should happen to me. Yeah. And so then we see Madison like really going through the paperwork more. And we see these actual contracts for like companies Madison's never heard of. There's a company called Pinnacle that the dad was like the CEO of. There are like overseas government contracts for $250 million, $50 million. The, the whole team like lays out where all the money went. And we're sort of trying to follow it. And the, but the point is... The dad was into some crazy, shady, overseas, financially corrupt shit. Yeah. And just everything is just really shady. And for Madison, this is all so eye-opening. Like, this is what his mom was dealing with in, like, the last, like, year or two of her life. And so Madison decides, all right, it's time for me to assemble a team. So he gets, like, a digital investigator, a forensic behavioral analyst, Don yeah. the PI. He gets this, like, crew together. And they decide, okay, we're going to try to meet with the Madison uh, Police Department again. Again, Madison, the name of the town, not Madison, the <laughs> kid we're following who's making this amazing documentary. So we hear all these conversations with like Madison and his team. I didn't know what my dad was doing and I still don't. And that's why meeting with the police is gonna be so critical because we really need to kind of go back to the beginning on this. We need to know what they've done, what they haven't done, what their working theory is of the case. That's the big unknown. Like this is the place where this could easily go off the oxygen rails, I feel totally. like. <laughs> And it just, yeah. like, it doesn't. Like, these guys are really in it to win it. They're very professional. And they go and they sit down with the cops. And, like, what they're hoping for is that the cops are going to say, hey, guys, come join the team. Let us open our files and you can look at anything you want. Of course that is not what happens. It immediately becomes a pissing contest. Right. Where you've got, like, Madison's experts saying, like, well, did you try this thing? Did you know that if she had a cell phone, you could track it this way? And the, and the cop is like, well, we did lots of cell phone research and this is what we found. And the pissing contest between these men, it's hilarious and predictable and getting us nowhere. Yeah. And also the cops say, and we'll, we'll follow up on this later, but the cops are like, I mean, we're at a dead end. They're saying, not knowing they're being recorded. Um, that's where we're at. The case is not moving forward. Nobody's made a phone call here, written an anonymous letter, anything. Um, we've got nothing. We've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews. They have no leads. They've had no leads. Isn't that unfortunate? But there's a major bomb that is dropped in this moment because it kind of works out that Madison brought these like high-powered investigators because it, it seems like it does intimidate the cops a little bit and they start getting a little like more loose-lipped than they might. Mm -hmm. When the PI is like, well, what, do, like, what have you done with the DNA? And the cop is like, I'm telling you, we're at the end of the road with DNA. You know, without getting in depth, I have zero unidentified DNA. The DNA I have, there's enough of profiles there that develop suspect. We have zero unidentified DNA, meaning they know who the DNA belongs to that they have. There was DNA under Barbara's fingernails that they've tested and they know who it belongs to. And you just hear Madison going, Wow. Then they get into all the cell phone stuff. And the cop, like, does not mean to say this. But he says, listen, we don't need any of your help with the cell phone stuff. We know that our number one suspect's phone was turned off for 24 hours during the murder. We know for a fact that our number one suspect's phone was turned off. Wow. And Funny. you know that's highly unusual. Yeah. And it's turned off for about a 24-hour time period. Wow. 
Madison again goes, wow. And the thing that's so maddening to me and you and Madison is like, okay, so you've been, quote, this close to getting the guy for all of these years and you're just not? Why? Right. And it's news to Madison that they have a prime suspect. And really what we learn is that they basically know who did it, but they don't have enough to get this guy. Right. And Madison, like his whole point is, look, if you guys know who did it, but you don't have enough to get the guy, I want to see your files. Because even if I can't take this guy to court, I still get the answer. And so now begins, I mean, he was already sort of wrestling with the Madison Police Department, but now he has the team behind him. And now they're making it official. They're filing requests for information. Like, they're just like, we're done with the bullshit. We're done with you stonewalling us. Like, they really, really want to get information. Because now the cops, whether they knew it or not, they're on record saying, we do have some stuff that could help the case. And Madison's like, well, I want it now. If you want my documentary audio, if you want what I have, I want what you have too. Exactly. So we get five minutes of Madison trying to follow up with the cops after right. their last interview. And they call him back and they're basically like, girl, we're not going to talk to you. Madison, this is Christy Hodge returning your call, Madison Police Department. Uh, yes, the chief did get your letter. Uh, he's not going to be available to meet uh, to discuss this with you, and he's following the state's guidelines. This is still an open investigation. If you have specific questions, feel free to contact Detective Neil Mulhern. I think you already have his number. And so Madison's PI is saying, like, I think the next step is they leave us no choice but to do uh, the FOIA request. All we can do now is do the FOIA request, which I think everyone thinks is going to ruffle some tail feathers at the police department because Madison wants access to the case files, and they don't want to give them to him so now they're doing this like freedom of information act request right so madison goes down to florida with conway yeah they're going to clean out this old storage shed that conway has and the thing is when they get there all conway wants to do is talk shit about Allie. but again i just don't think she remembers who she's talking to because she says Allie, fucking Allie. that's the only reason she fucking died because Allie insisted she go to court and get that money Your sister is the reason your mother's dead. And I'm like, Conway! She is so emphatic in this moment. And like, again, I know, Madison, you're making a movie, but like, you know how like, (laughs) nobody can call your sister a slut, but you can call your sister a slut. Like, like you can't just call Allie a murderer in front of her (laughs) brother. And like, the way that she is doing it with such conviction, she is angry. She tells the story. I always tried to love her, and now I don't. You don't love Allie? Mm -mm, Not at all. Because you think she did, she committed the murder. And like she's in Madison's face about it. Like, what are you trying to get out of this, Conway? She was like, oh, I remember when Allie was first born, she like loved your mom too much. I always (gasps) thought something was a little off with her. And I'm like, wait, Conway, I thought Allie hated your sister. Now she loved her too much and it was weird. Like, Conway. This section ends with Conway going. Everybody thinks I'm crazy, Madison. Madison, everyone thinks I'm crazy. And I went, including me, Conway. And she's like laughing. She's like, you're not going to think I'm crazy too, right? And I'm like, that ship has sailed, Conway. I like, I just, I'm I, not in the business of calling women who've suffered crazy. And crazy is not the right word. No, she's she's traumatized. Like, go to therapy. Yes. yes, yes. And like, and again, she's pinning this murder on this person who's 800 million miles away. But like, now you're saying it to the camera. And like, it just has a whole different vibe to it. And honestly, Allie could sue the shit out of Conway. Allie could beat the shit out of Conway. A hundred percent. But like, if we're talking about like, what is, I, I know there's a difference between libel and slander, but whatever the yeah. appropriate one is, Allie could sue the shit out of Conway for it. It's also like, you know, Allie in her like high school days, she got her fair share of scraps. I was going to say she's scrappy and I like it. I'm I, saying that as a compliment. Yeah. 
I gotta just say, the thing about this storage unit, you guys, this is from Conway's years in Florida, remember? Like, when she was trying to hire the hitman. Right. Oh, but no, of course, like, lest we forget, again, hiring a hitman. (laughs) So, I did not notice this the first time I watched it, but if you look in the storage unit, which is in total disarray, every single box is a Sutter Home box, a Patron box, a Tito's box. I didn't notice that. Conway was ordering booze by the box full. Look, even I've never done that, girl. Or maybe she just asked one of her bartender friends, do you have any boxes for storage? Because look, I have friends who own bars. Those are the only boxes you get from a bar-owning friend. I think you're right. Having done that job, I agree. It just really struck me like, I think it's more like that's what Conway had lying around the house. She had a stack of Tito's boxes. And I'm talking boxes. Look, I am not in the business of defending Conway. I'm just saying. So, remember, the day that Barbara was killed, there was a big court hearing between Barbara and her ex-husband. And court was always at 9.30. It was at 9.30 every, every day. But we get from various people that Barbara thought court was actually at 2 that day. And I'll spare you all the details, but Madison has actual proof that court was at 9.30 and Barbara was always on top of that. So the theory is that somebody called Barbara to tell her court was at 2 so she would be home in the morning and they could come and kill her. And Madison's theory... Remember the whole story about the guy in the ski mask? Yes. That was the day before court. Madison's theory is that this guy, whoever it was, came to kill his mother the day before court. But remember, she was having the luncheon that made me want the tuna sandwiches. (laughs) Right, with the cucumbers, the little thin cucumbers and the rye bread. Come on. Exactly. And so the theory is that this person, like, couldn't kill her in that moment. So had to call her to make her think that the court the next day had been changed until two. So he would have a window of time in the morning to come and kill her. And the whole reason this is important is because this is provable. Because the producer is saying they should look at the call records because someone made the call telling her that her court date had been moved. That creates window of opportunity. If we get the phone records, we can see if somebody called her the day before to like to tell her the court time had changed. We could track down that phone number, find out who did this. Right. But, but they never do that. No, that never happens. It, it goes nowhere. But I do think the guy in the ski mask is an important thing. And the fact that she thought court was at 2 when it was really at 9.30. Like, there are clues here that are important, I think. Yeah, but here's here's a phone call we do have a record of. So remember how Conway is convinced that Allie, the 16-year-old, killed her mother before school and then walked <laughs> to school and then called Conway the aunt she hated and they hated each other and said, please pick me up? It sounds even more ridiculous than your telling of it. <laughs> I, I mean, like, Look, happy to be here. So Madison calls the school and he's like, look, I just, I need to vindicate my sister, honestly. like, Or find out if my sister's a murderer. You know what I mean? Like, In my vision of it, he calls the school secretary named Kara and he's like, Kara, between me and you, yeah, I just need to know that my sister didn't do this. And I just need like actual like paper proof that my aunt's fucking crazy. Like I, this is just a lot. It also seems like, again, like rich kid school, like he seems to have a tight relationship with the school secretary. She's like, so how may I help you, my friend? Hello, my friend. Well, to me, like, uh, don't those, like, school secretaries work there for, like, 40 years? Like, it's the same one every time, right? So he calls and he's, like, total shot in the dark. But I'm just wondering, do you have a record of my sister being late that day? Because, again, she was late and she left early. So maybe there would be a record there at this rich kid school. And the secretary's like, oh, let me see. Let me, like, pull it up on the computer. Beep, boop, bop. She's like, wait, give me the full date again. Give me the actual date because I can pull up the records from 2010. I didn't think I could. Oh, my God. 
and she finds the records. And it's kind of unreal to hear this audio unfold because Madison uh-huh. wants to curse, but he doesn't because he's still <laughs> the secretary for 20 years. He's like, holy, sh- holy shoot, that is amazing information. And she's like, uh, oh, wait a minute. Aha, uh-huh. she was tardy. She came in at 7.54. Wow, 7.54. Okay. So she arrived at 7.54, tardy, mom verified, not feeling well. Mom verified, not feeling well. Yep. Wow. She arrived Holy at 7.54, shit. and then she had an, a 10.50 early dismissal. She was tardy, and I'm like, hello, clueless. And she says, mom verified she was not feeling well. So this absolves Allie. And then Madison calls Conway, and she is... <laughs> Full stop disappointed that Allie did not kill her sister. She's like, oh, you're shitting me. And I'm like, are you seriously disappointed? I know. I know. I know. I know. And she doesn't, she doesn't apologize. Not an apology in sight. She doesn't say, Madison, I'm so sorry for the shit I said about your sister. I'm so sorry for putting you through that. Also, get Allie on the phone. I'm so sorry. I I should talk to her. She's just like, you're shitting me. Oh, fuck. You're shitting me. No. They finally found that? Yeah. You're positive? Yeah. Damn. Who the fuck? I mean, really. You know, maybe I need to relook at this another way. Yeah. I mean, and it is kind of like we have lined up all of the suspects and we've sort of knocked them all down except for the dad. But before we get to the dad, you guys, remember how Madison put in that FOIA request for the yes. the case files, his yes. mom's case files. So it turns out that like in order to actually get them, like he basically has to go to mediation with the cops and like a lawyer who they both get to plead their sides. And then the mm-hmm. mediator is going to decide who wins and like whether Madison gets the files or the police get to not give them to him. So we go to this hearing it is bananas because the point of this hearing is for Madison and his team to prove that the cops aren't actively working on this case if he can prove that then it's just an open case just in like name only and then they'll win the hearing and get the files but it's in this Uh hearing in this conference room that it comes to light that Madison has been secretly recording (laughs) interviews with the police (laughs) most any interaction is in some way recorded with the police that I've ever had. Do they, do they know that you have a tape recording of the meeting? I don't think they do. And the look on the cop's face, they're like, wait, you were what? I know. One of the cops literally says, did you know that? He says that to the other one. It's subtitled. Yes. And the whole thing is the cops just were like, this dumb kid, we're not going to give him anything, but he's going to give us all of his footage from his movie. We're going to get everything we want. Meanwhile, Madison fucking had their number the whole time and can prove that you told me there's nothing. We've never gotten an an anonymous letter. We don't get phone calls. We are at an absolute dead end. There's nothing else we can do. We don't get the decision in the moment. But, like, they leave the hearing sort of not knowing if they're going to get the case files or not. So, Madison has had these countless conversations with his dad where he's just asking, he's like, Dad, look at the paperwork with your name on it with these, like, fake businesses. And the dad's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Totally gaslighting him. We get tons of these. And finally, Madison is talking to one of his producers who I love his team, if I haven't mentioned that 800 times already. I know. I know. Me too. They're so cute. So, Madison is wondering, like, oh, what is my dad's? totally gonna see this I'm HBO the big leagues now so like what is my dad gonna think about this and the producer is like if he doesn't want to be subjected to these difficult painful questions then fucking answer them because the perception of him will not change and he's going to look like a murderer and I know that's not our intention well 
you know, we worked really hard to absolve your sister. We pushed Conway really hard and your dad has to fucking answer for it. And honestly, if he doesn't, he's going to look like a murderer. (laughs) And when he said that, I was like, he's absolutely right. He's like, if you don't want to be asked about this, you have to give us some answers. Yeah. And he calls the dad for the last time. And like, you know, he's really pushing his dad on all these financial documents because he's got them in front of him. He's like this overseas company and this contract and it says you're the CEO of this company and the dad is like blindsided and mm-hmm. he just stonewalls him. He just won't give him anything. I have no idea what's going on and I, and I don't know what you're, why you're, you're acting this way and I don't know why, what you have. You know, I'm in a, completely in the dark. I mean, his dad's signatures, his dad's handwriting. Remember in the in the first episode where I was like, maybe the dad is like trying to protect him by not giving him this information? Fuck no. I don't know that I think that the dad was responsible for the murder, but like if any of this shit comes out, this dad is going to jail forever. I guess Madison's pushing a little too hard and the dad yeah. just goes, Are you recording um, this? Are you recording this? Yes, I'm recording this. And I lost, I was like, and I mean, we see, we see Madison and he's just like, he doesn't skip a beat. He's like, yep. Yeah, I am. Yeah. 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 Because you can't lie. You know what I mean? Like that would totally like destroy the integrity of the rest of the film. But the dad still doesn't immediately get off the phone. All I know is like, Madison, I hope that you were keeping the relationship going with your dad for the movie. And now that it's over, I really hope you're never fucking talking to this guy again. Totally. Totally. And like, I just don't understand how Madison can have these conversations without fighting with him and digging his heels in. Because if that were me, I'd just be like, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Madison, I guess, because he knows he's making a documentary, he just sort of lets him talk and lets yeah. him dig a hole and just doesn't yeah. fight him on every single provably bullshit thing, which is something I totally would do. And so the dad hangs up on him eventually because he knows that he's being recorded. Yeah. And Madison is just sort of like, he hung up on me. It's devastating. Yeah. And he says, he's like, you know, even after all this, I still want a relationship with my father. Like the dad is the only person Madison has left in the world. Allie's in Argentina, Conway's bananas. The dad is all he's got, you know? But that's trauma. You know what I mean? That's like trying to like get a relationship. What do they say in Mad Men? Like, don't go to the well. There's no water there, Madison. Like Madison, you know where they'll have you? The town pump, girl. Go to the gay bar, the town pump for happy hour. <laughs> There's always water there, the town pump. <laughs> You know, there's this whole section where Madison goes to South America to go to Allie's wedding. It's beautiful. And then it ends in this really great way where Madison's just like sitting at his computer in Uh August 2020 where like, I'm like, wait, August 2020, that's like quarantine times. I'm like, what year was that? Oh my God, that was like months ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And like, and I was reading an article about this after the fact. He said like, as they were about to go to print to HBO, they get this email. It is found that the respondents failed to prove that the requested records Holy shit, are exempt from disclosure. Holy shit. We won. They win the FOIA argument. So they are going to get all of the case files, every single piece. Like, if the cops say they have a number one suspect, Madison's going to know who it is. Right. And by October of 2020, he was granted access of over 1,600 files. So, like, now he's just like, me and my team, we just, like, get to work. And now I'm like, I am waiting on the edge of my seat for season two. I just want him to solve this thing. Like, I just want him to win. And, I I mean, based on what he has, like, these secret, like, quote, secret conversations, like what the cops were saying, that they'll be a little more open with 
with Madison than they would with the cops and these stupid, incompetent, lazy ass fucking bullshit cops. Yeah. There's got to be something in those 1600 files. There has to be. Because what Madison's whole point before was like, look, even if you don't have enough to convict, I just want the answer. Right. right so right. like all Madison is in search of here is the answer. And like they haven't announced a season two, but like I know that like he keeps saying I'm going to give it to you as soon as I can. Right. So like, oh my God, girl, that's it. It kind of ends on a cliffhanger. And, he, and, and I think you're right. He doesn't need it proven in a court of law. He just needs to know himself. And I yeah. like, that's enough for me too. If Madison's happy, yeah. I'm happy. How about that? Me too. <laughs> See you at the town pump for cocktails, everybody. Girl, I'll meet you there <laughs> right behind you. <ya. laughs> oh my God, you guys, we did murder on Middle Beach. Look, this was one of those that we were never going to be able to cover every inch of it. So yeah. go watch this. It's four episodes. It is so, so worth watching. Go, go watch it. Yeah, and, and post about it in the Facebook group. We'll comment our opinions or whatever. Whatever we miss, we have thoughts on all of it. So we'll see you yeah. there. We'll yeah. see you over there. Yeah, and if you're looking for more G and me, join us in the Patreon, you guys. Over 150 full bonus ad-free episodes to download a binge right this second. You know what they all are. Fear City, Don't Have With Cats, Tiger King, Lorena, The Vow. I'll be on in the dark. Just did Wilderness of Error. We're doing Night Stalker. Uh, did you say the jinx? I think you said the jinx. No, all the early stuff, the jinx, yeah. the staircase, making murder, it's all there. Ad-free versions of these episodes. Girl, what are we doing next? We are doing Southern Rights, produced by our best friend's husband, John Legend. <laughs> But it's about, we're doing it for Black History Month, so it's about this woman who goes down, like, there were still segregated proms in Georgia. It's a whole fucking thing, so. Like, in 2009, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, so. Oh, God, here we go. Here we go. Buckle up, everybody. All right, so stay tuned for the trailer for Southern Rights. Stay tuned for our hilarious outtakes, I hope. I hope they're good, girl. Madison, we love you, and we hope you love them. Well, I mean, these outtakes are strictly for Madison. <laughs> Um, and we'll see you guys soon. We love you. We love you so much. Uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. Next week. I mean, same time, same place. <laughs> totally. Oh, ladies for lunch every Tuesday at noon. Join us live on Instagram, uh, True Crime Obsessed Podcast. Same time, same place for that too. Exactly. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. In 2009, I was commissioned to go down to Georgia and photograph the segregated proms. I was told that if my date was going to be black, he wouldn't be let in. I was so mystified how this could still be happening in the 21st century. And little did I know, as the film would unravel, that there would be so much more than just a story about segregated proms, but really a story about race in general. I always knew that I wanted to return to this town, so I thought that I was making a story about a town coming together to have their first integrated prom, and then a tragedy happened. 22-year-old son was taken from me. We've seen this on television a lot lately with young people whose lives did not need to be lost, people who were unarmed in situations where they were thought to be more dangerous than they really were. This film really explores the racial divide. We see it in the criminal justice system, the way people interact in their social lives, and then, of course, in voting as well. My dad is the very first black chief of police, and if he gets sheriff, it'll be really historic. It's a really complicated story, and these are conversations that are hard to have, and I think they're necessary conversations. There are aspects of the ending that say, man, it's the same story over again and nothing's changed. But you see some sense that people might start coming together, and so that gives me some hope. I love that you are like, the Swoozy Wikipedia. That's my favorite thing about you. I'm the sister's Wikipedia. Look, I, I'm taking your sister's questions, you guys. <laughs> Line two, what do you got? Where's Swoozy Kurtz? She's not here. Moving on. <laughs> 
You guys, this is part two of our coverage of Myrtle Myrtle Beach. I want to say Myrtle Beach. Yeah, and that's a real thing. So it's not like, I mean, your brain is going to a place that actually exists for once. Oh my God, I'm already, girl, I'm already exhausted. <laughs> did she or did she have a 401k? I don't give a fuck. And he doesn't take his pants off anymore, which it's a disappointment, Madison, but it's fine. You know, he's busy. He's busy. <laughs> 